0: Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now podcast channel. Our conversation today will bring you up to speed on a variety of timely developments spanning geopolitics to domestic matters, including an update on vaccine rollout. So joining me here on the line for the conversation, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. So, Shane, great to be with you as always. Thank Thank you for joining us on a Thursday afternoon and looking forward to our conversation.
1: Good to be with you, and uh, I'm glad the weekend's almost here. But I may need a little caffeine
0: first. (laughs) I need an afternoon cup of coffee as well. That sounds good to me, Shane. So I know we have a a few big topics we want to hit on. Maybe starting with one of the more uh, marquee topics of this past week. I know in the aftermath of the George Floyd murder trial, just a couple of days ago, that verdict was reached. Uh, Yesterday, Wednesday, we did hear from Attorney General Merrick Garland. The Attorney General he announced that the Department of justice will be investigating policing practices in minneapolis minnesota so i'm curious shane what we know in terms of what the scope of that investigation might consist of and is there a precedent for a federal investigation into local policing practices
1: yeah great questions and as you noted this um announcement came after the uh announcement that derek chauvin was guilty of uh, murder um And manslaughter in, uh, Floyd's death. You know, I think this is, uh, the timing was purposeful because the Department of Justice did not want to, uh, seem to be influencing any decision by the jury. Um, but yes, so this investigation is commonly known as a pattern or practice examination. And it's where the Department of Justice, um, is going to examine the pattern or practice of unconstitutional or unlawful uh, policing and, and to your last question, you know, um, this is, uh, has happened and, you know, there are, uh, there is precedent and there are ongoing investigations. I think the Department of Justice noticed, um, mentioned in, in their, um, press release that, uh, there are 16 settlements with law enforcement agencies, including 12 consent decrees that came out of previous, uh, pattern or practice investigations. And there are currently four open investigations, including the one in, in Minneapolis. So what will this examine do? It will examine the use of force by police officers, including force used during protests and whether the department engages in any discriminatory practices. It will also look at the department's handling of misconduct allegation and its treatment of people uh, with behavioral health issues, and will assess the department's current systems of accountability so um this does cover a a fair fairly wide range uh in the investigation you know it's pretty open um but there is precedent for this um so this this will probably uh play out uh, over the coming weeks and months but i would expect um you know the department of justice to to use its full force of investigative towers here. and I believe they already have people from the civil uh, division on the ground in Minneapolis working. In the community to do their
0: investigation. Well, uh, thank you, Shane, for the clarity on that announcement from the Department of Justice, and we'll see how the investigation progresses and what it might turn up. So, I do want to shift over a bit to cover some geopolitical stories that have been making headlines over the past few weeks, a China, Russia among them. Maybe we'll take those in order. So, with respect to China, Shane, I understand that bipartisan momentum is growing within the Senate to produce legislation that would. Con- confront China on several fronts. So Shane, can you bring us up to speed on what the Senate Commerce as well as the Senate Foreign Relations Committees have been working on?
1: Right, yeah. No, just I think uh, yesterday the Senate Foreign Relations Committee approved a bill known as the Strategic Competition Act. And as as you mentioned, this really focuses on China. And if, uh, sometimes it feels like China is the only Bipartisan issue these days in Congress where you have Republicans and Democrats coming together, um, to try and figure out, you know, how they, um, push back and stem the influence of China. Um, the vote in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee yesterday was near unanimous. So it was, uh, 21 to 1. The one, uh, no vote was Senator Rand Paul of, uh, Kentucky. Um, but you're right. This, this, this has a few components to it. Um, including a couple hundred billion dollars uh, in foreign military financing funding for the Indo-Pacific China uh, region, um, over four hundred bil- million, sorry, not billion million for um, maritime security. Um, it also expands the powers of the Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S which you may have referred to as CFIUS for short. And CIFIUS, uh analyzes international financial transactions in an effort to pick up uh, anything that's a national security risk. So uh, sometimes maybe if you hear of a U.S. company being bought by a foreign company, a CFIUS does a review to make sure that uh, this doesn't uh, um, raise any red flags when, in reference to national security risks um then the legislation also does some money for the state department to promote democracy in hong kong uh so you know in its totality you know this is really starting uh, continuing um a pushback against china so you know i think this like i start out by saying this is one of the few bipartisan things that we still see in congress and i think that will continue to be the case um uh, for this congress so Uh, I think this is worth watching, and it's developing, but I expect... some real movement here, uh, not only on this bill, but further actions, whether it be through Congress or the Biden administration dealing with China.
0: Okay, well, it is always good to hear about bipartisan efforts. So we will see how this legislation might materialize. So something perhaps we can check back in on. So that other geopolitical topic, Shane, I want to hit on, get your thoughts on. We've been seeing some renewed tensions recently between the U.S., other Western nations and Russia, with Russian President Vladimir Putin yesterday issued an ultimatum to Western nations. So what exactly has been sparking this recent tension between the West, Russia, and how exactly has the U.S. been engaging with Russia?
1: Yeah, there's a lot going on here. Um, So I think uh, let's start with, uh, you're right, that Russian President Vladimir Putin, you know, he gave his annual State of the Nation speech and he drew a red line and promising, um, swift retaliation against anyone who, who crosses him essentially, you know, and saying that Moscow will respond harshly and quickly, uh, to any foreign provocations. Um, so, you know, why did he feel the need to do this? He, like I said, you have a few things going on. You have, um, Navalny, who is, um, Putin's big opponent in in, um, Russia, who's in jail, who's on a hunger strike, and reportedly near death. And, you know, you had President Biden uh, say that if if he does die, you know, Putin should be held accountable. Um, So this has put Putin on the defensive, and, you know, he's reacting to that. And part of that reaction is a massive buildup of uh, troops um, on the border with Ukraine. And, you know, this show of force is meant to be a, or is being, uh, um, signaled as a large-scale, uh, drill, military drill. But, you know, we, keeping in mind Putin's history with Ukraine, you know, it was just a few years ago back, I think it's 2014, that he annexed Crimea. Um, you know, this is very dangerous. So, you know, it could be a variety of things of, of Putin just puffing out his chest to a new administration to see how they react. It could be him distracting from Navalny to try and uh, tamp down internal strike and, and turn the attention on in his, uh, what he's trying to portray, portray as foreign aggressors. But, it, you know, the larger point here is that it is um, dangerous, this posturing. And, you know, you're seeing not only the U.S. react with sanctions and uh, but other countries are kicking out diplom- uh, Russian diplomats from their countries. So, you know, the international community is very concerned about this, and it is something that we should absolutely be keeping an eye on. You know, not only for um, security risks, but you know, it could have major impacts on the financial markets uh, if if things go
0: wrong here. Yeah, there's a lot of implications here. So hopefully the situation de-escalates, though. Thank you for bringing us up to speed on what has been sparking this tension and where we stand with it today. So another topic we can follow up on. Maybe one more item we can cover during the podcast today, Shane, uh, that being vaccine deployment rollout. Though specifically, President Biden has offered some clarity this week on policy and even perhaps Conditions when it comes to COVID nineteen vaccine sharing with other nations. So what have we heard from the president and more so general, how has vaccine in the US been progressing, that rollout, chain
1: Yeah, no, the rollout has been progressing, you know, uh pretty well, but I think there's concern about where it's heading. You know, we're 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 on pace to probably have um two hundred million uh vaccines in the arms um, in the coming days and you're seeing that uh, Vaccines across uh, the states are being opened up to pretty much everyone over age 16 who wants to get one. Um, But I think there is a great amount of concern that um, you know, while there are people who are getting vaccinated, every millions of people are getting vaccinated every day. That you know, we may be hitting a point where there's vaccine resistance in the sense that the people left to get vaccinated are people who do not want to get vaccinated. And this could um, stymie the um, um, rebound of the economy. So there's a lot of concern about that. At the same time, you have uh, this demand from other countries who want to get uh, vaccines. And you're seeing, you know, uh, China and Russia um, reach out to some of these countries and, and, and give some of the vaccines that they have developed. Um, and this is very concerning from a, a foreign relations perspective because, you know, you always, for years you've always concerned of, you know, take a name in a country X and do you want them to get goodwill from Russia, China or the United States? In theory, you want it from the United States so that we can uh, build a better relationship with them instead of these other countries like China and Russia who are trying to uh, really assert themselves and use it kind of as a proxy um, economic tool against the united states so you know the the biden administration is trying to figure out uh, this path forward and you know we've already looked towards giving away some some uh vaccines applied to canada and mexico our neighbors but then the question comes where do we go after that and, and you know what it when is it ethical especially as we're still trying to make sure we get all u.s um citizens vac- vaccinated so you know uh, this is you know, very important to you and I on the level of, you know, making sure our family and loved ones uh, get vaccinated. But also, you know, it's a global scale uh, pandemic. So we need to figure out how we work across uh, with our global partners to, to make sure uh, others can get the vaccine as well. So it'll moving parts here, but, you know, you do have uh, a lot of concerns that infuse this and make it more complicated than it, you know, it, it it really
0: should be. It certainly sounds like a complicated situation when it comes to prioritization of distribution of these vaccines, though hopefully it continues to move in the right direction, not only here at home, uh, but abroad as well. So Shane, as always, thank you for joining us here on the podcast and covering a variety of timely uh, domestic and foreign topics. Hope you get that cup of coffee. Enjoy the weekend and we'll look forward to catching up with you again on the podcast Next week. Uh,
1: thank you, Dan. It's good to be with you, and I'm, I'm eyeballing that caffeine right
0: now. <laughs> so take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, Shane. Appreciate it. And again, today we have been joined by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. As a reminder to our clients, listeners, please be sure to reference the latest edition of the Washington Weekly publication, which can be located on UBS.com forward slash Washington Weekly. For clients of UBS, you can also contact your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of the Washington Weekly publication directly. The Washington Weekly Podcast is part of the UBS In The Now podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Ben Cassidy. Thank you for joining us.
1: As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements.